This is a very special day in the Christian church year. Starts with the season of what? Does anybody know what the first season of the church year is? You all know Advent, of course. And then comes Christmas, Epiphany, Christmas, so forth. And finally, we get to where we are today, the first Sunday in Lent. Before we go to today's reading, I'd like to just remind you a little bit about last Sunday. Uh, I know that Pastor Raleigh preached on the transfiguration of Christ. What an incredible event that is in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing like it. Uh, it's a time of great mystery. You know, I can remember as a little kid being in a Sunday school-sponsored word recognition contest. And all of us little kids were sitting in the church, I guess it was, and, and somebody would say words, and then we had an opportunity to tell people what the word meant. And the person in front said, fuller. And I raised my hand. I knew what it was. It's somebody that makes things white. I guess that's what I said. And that's a reference, of course, to the King James Version of the gospel lesson for today, or of last Sunday, where uh, it is said that the, the garments of Jesus became so white that even a fuller could not make them that white. So what an incredible event it is. And you know, the transfiguration of Jesus is, is noted in three of the four Gospels. John doesn't mention it, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And when you read that event in each one of the Gospels, it's almost identical. Few little details, not different, but just from a different point of view. And every one of them puts the transfiguration into the same context in the life of Jesus. And here's the context. Jesus has told his disciples, the son of man must die and be crucified. And the first time they heard that, I'm sure they shook their heads. In fact, we know that one time when Jesus said that, Peter said, this will never happen to you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. But nonetheless, Jesus announces his passion, his suffering and death. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's recorded. Then Jesus takes Peter, James, and John with him. And I always wonder, why those three? Why not some of the others? But for whatever reason, and I'm sure there is good, he takes those three and goes to the mountain. Doesn't say which mountain. Might be Mount Hermon. Don't know for sure. Maybe Mount Carmel. But at any rate, Jesus takes them to the high mountain apart, and there takes place this event which we call transfiguration. I never knew what that meant when I was a little kid. I knew what it referred to, but I didn't know what the word transfiguration meant. And it's a mysterious thing that happened to Jesus. It's as if heaven breaks open upon the earth and Jesus is the recipient of all of the glory of heaven and it's showed by this event that his clothing turns white like no fuller on earth could make it. And his face, it says, changes. And Peter, James, and John are just absolutely stricken in horror and terror. And they're hiding. And after it's all over, Jesus says, let's go down now. Don't tell anybody that this has happened until after my death. And they didn't. By the way, Peter, 
mentions the transfiguration in his second letter. He writes books that are in the New Testament. Second letter of Peter. Check it out this afternoon. Read through chapter 1 and 2 and see what Peter says about the event that he witnesses in the transfiguration. But our Lord Jesus Christ is glorified by God and encouraged. And, and it's so fascinating that we know what they talked about. Now, Matthew and Mark do not mention what they talked about, but Luke does. In the Gospel of Luke, where the transfiguration is recorded, Luke says that Moses and Elijah talked to him, Jesus, about his departure that would take place soon in Jerusalem or from Jerusalem. And you know, astounding. When you take a look at that Lucan gospel and read it, and if you look at the Greek language, if somebody does, and you come to that word which is translated departure, the word in the Greek language is Exodus. And then you immediately see the connection. Why is Moses there? Moses says to the Son of God, Oh, Jesus, you're going to do something similar to what I did, but much greater. And I don't know what that conversation was, but I know this, that the transfiguration was given to Jesus by his Father and to the whole church to encourage us and to let us know that somehow Jesus is going to be triumphant in those paths that he is about to walk. You know, they come down from the Holy Mountain in each one of the three versions of the Transfiguration story, and the same thing is recorded in all of the Gospels. And here's what it is. They come down from the mountain. Nobody really knows where they've been, but there is a crowd gathered, not for Jesus and the three disciples, but a crowd is gathered. And there they find a man and his son. And the son is possessed by a satanic power. And the disciples were asked by the parents, heal my child. And the gospels say they could not do it. And so Jesus comes into that crowd and he takes a hold of this little child who's possessed in some terrible way. And the demon is expelled and the child is free. And that, of course, is kind of a look ahead to what our Lord Jesus Christ is going to do now in earnest. Because, you see, the transfiguration is that which sets us up for the Lenten journey. And that's why it's so interesting today that the gospel for this Sunday, the first Sunday in Lent, is the record of the temptation of Christ by Satan. You see, Jesus is not the only one who knows that he's starting and embarking out now on a new course in his public ministry. He's here to bring salvation to the people who are in bondage to Satan like that little kid was. And he's going to do it by all of the things that he's going to carry out now in his ministry. 
probably nobody else knows what Jesus is about to do except Satan. You know, we have met Satan before in terms of a temptation against the Son of God. And I'm referring, of course, to the book of Genesis in the third chapter where we hear this incredible story of how Satan, the enemy of God, and there's a question, how did he become the enemy of God? More about that on another day. But this Satan approaches God's man, Adam and Eve, and tempts them, and they fall into sin. They fall into the trap of the evil one. So here we are, how many thousands of years later, as it were, and now Satan looks from his place and he sees the Son of God now armed and, and ready to go, encouraged by the transfiguration and empowered by the baptism that he received from John. And Satan knows now this Jesus is going out to do what the Father sent him to do and I'm going to put a stop to it. I've done it before and I'll do it again. And that's what the temptation story is really about. It's Satan, as it were, second attempt to derail the will of God. It wasn't too hard, recorded in Genesis chapter 3. And I guess Satan said, piece of cake. And so our Lord Jesus Christ has been in the wilderness, the scripture says, for 40 days. And he's hungry. Well, of course. And his hunger points to the fact that he is fully and totally human. Jesus doesn't depend upon his divinity to keep him from hunger. As one of our brothers, he suffers from it. And he's so glad that the 40 days assigned, I guess, by the Father now have come to an end. And he can eat if only there was something to eat. You know, I'm thinking of the Old Testament prophet Elijah, who was also at the transfiguration, by the way. And once in Elijah's ministry, he was being chased away by a, by a servant of Satan. And he was chased away by wicked King Ahab and his wife Jezebel into the wilderness, and he had no food. This man of God in the Old Testament thought he was going to die, I suppose. And the scripture says that he finally fell asleep in his hunger. And when he awoke, there was fresh bread. Can you imagine the aroma of fresh bread? And Elijah wakes up to see that God has miraculously entered his desperate situation and sent some birds. If you ever see a raven... Give thanks for the ravens. Very smart birds, by the way, indeed. Chosen by God to take bread to Elijah. And Elijah was saved. But now Jesus has no ravens. Well, Jesus turned the stones into bread for heaven's sakes. You can do that if you are the son of God. And here comes the temptation. Make bread. Why hunger? I'll tell you what, Jesus, come with me to Jerusalem. Let's jump off the pinnacle of the temple and everybody will see that and they'll say, oh, this man is great. He's from God. 
by the way, the pinnacle of the temple supposedly was one of the corners where there was of the temple grounds where there was a, a, a pinnacle. And if you'd get to the very top of that, to the bottom, the sidewalk's about 90 feet. It's a big jump. Jump down and people will rave about, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, I'll tell you what. There's another thing we can do. I'll give you all the kingdoms. I know why you're here, Jesus. You're here to save people, all the kingdoms. Listen, let's take a shortcut. I'll give them all to you. They'll be yours because I can do that. Whether he could or not, I don't know. But that's what he said he could do. And Jesus said, no. Worship only God. Don't worship other people. The temptations must have been terrible. You know, it just occurred to me for the first time in my old life today, when we were reading the gospel, it doesn't say that Satan only tempted Jesus three times. But the three times are recorded. And then it sort of indicates the possibility that there were other temptations that aren't recorded. I don't know. But nonetheless, it's finally done. And the Satan who comes to destroy God's man, our brother, fails. And right here is a precursor, a pre-announcement, as it were, of what is going to happen in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, who came into this world to extend a hand of salvation and acceptance to all of you. How are you doing with your temptations these days? Would you like to tell us about some of them? I suspect they'd all be pretty much the same. No matter how hard we try in our lives, we always seem to run into a blank wall every now and then in terms of getting better in our lives. Thank God for Jesus who came into this world and was tempted on our behalf and was victorious on our behalf. Our Lord Jesus Christ is a wonderful Savior. And he steps on every brick of every road, going to whatever place to bring his message of salvation and victory over Satan to each one of us. In this Lenten season, we will trace him for 40 days as he moves through that ancient world and in ours as well as the savior of all humankind. This one who is transfigured and became a person who possessed the very glory of God and then gave it all away and then walked to the cross. This Jesus is there with you today. Saying, oh, it's going to be a wonderful time together these next weeks. And every time you come together, I want you to think of the fact that I have come into this world for just one person. And that's you. And I will do everything that I need to do to give you the gift that God sent me to give you. That is forgiveness, life, and salvation. Ascension Lutheran Church, been here a long time. It's had those so-called glory years and then some other years, and now we move into the future. But we're here for one reason to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the mighty Son of God, who loved you and me so much that he put it all aside 
to give us the gift that his father gave him to give to us, the gift of eternal life and salvation. Wonderful years ahead as we walk through our Savior with our Savior Jesus to the end of our days and then to receive his gift of glory, of forgiveness and eternal life. So think about those things, Heavenly Father. Help us to remember you and all that you've done for us. Remember us as we walk through this world. Help us, encourage us, strengthen us, we pray. And thank you for your son, Jesus. Amen.